Hi, everybody. This is Andy LeBeau of Commodity Research Group, and I'm joined by Marty Stetzer, the president of EKT Interactive. And it's time for our weekly podcast, Talking EIAs and Oil Markets and, uh, and Energy. And uh, Marty, we have a lot to talk about. It sounds like it, Andy. We were talking before the call. The markets have really kind of swung around for us, haven't they? Uh, they have. Uh, the last two weeks when we've recorded these podcasts, the uh, oil markets were really getting hammered. Uh, there were sets of bearish EIAs, and uh, there was real concern about the effects of uh, the trade war and tariffs on, uh, on demand. Now, those concerns haven't gone away, but the market is beginning to pivot a little bit and uh, is beginning to focus on its overall fundamentals, not only demand, but more importantly on supply uh, as we get closer and closer to the um, sanctions against Iran coming into, uh, coming into effect. And uh, today, uh, market is uh, it's up two dollars. That uh, WTI is uh, nearing uh, nearing sixty eight dollars. Terrific, terrific. Good news for the producers. Good news for the producers, and uh, not good news for the bears. That that's uh, that's for sure. Uh, and they're probably you know we're probably seeing some uh, some covering today. You know if we if we do take a look at at the numbers. The crude number was was pretty bullish. Uh, it drew by about six million barrels. We're at four hundred eight million. If you look, you know, I like to look at uh, day supply, which is inventories divided by demand. It's a good number uh, to look at to get a handle on where we are on uh, inventories. Crude number is at twenty three days supply. The four year average is is twenty five. So we're uh, you know, we're a little bit under the, uh, the four-year average. And, and you look at crude, why do we draw? Well, uh, there are two big reasons. One, runs continue to be, to be high. Imports this week were a little bit low, so were uh, exports. Runs, were, runs, as I said, were, were pretty strong. And then there's that fudge factor that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks where the EIA really tries to make up the difference between uh, all the variables. Um, and the fudge factor is what last couple of weeks was like plus 700, which is a huge fudge factor, 700,000 barrels a day. Uh, this week it's minus 300. So, you know, there's variability on that, on that fudge factor also. Uh, but crude stocks drew. I think they're going to continue to draw the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then as we go into turnarounds, uh, we're going to start building and we'll see how the market grapples with that but you know the market knows that's coming for our new listeners the turnarounds usually tried to schedule after the uh, driving season's over andy correct right right the, the, they're um september october uh and and into november uh as well and and turnarounds mean that refiners uh perform maintenance on their uh on their refineries to get ready for the um Winter, uh, winter season to, to come, and generally they perform turnarounds in the fall and also in February and March to get ready for the, uh, for the driving season. Just looking at the rest of the data, 
we've been talking about gasoline being completely lackluster. Uh, nothing to get excited about at all. Uh, last, last week we saw a build of, or this week we saw a build of like 0.4 uh, or virtually unchanged. The day supply or 25, the four-year average of the day supply is uh, 23. Gasoline demand, you know, this is, this is important. Gasoline demand is really not growing at all. I mean, it's basically unchanged. So uh, from last year, I, th I think that could be, Marty, I think that could be a function of higher price, pump prices than, than last year, maybe some efficiency on the, on the fleet. But we're, we're not going to get it this year anyway, and probably next year too, uh, we're not getting any big growth on, uh, on gasoline demand. Interesting that it's flattened out because it normally takes a while for the fleet to change over, Andy, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, usually, it, it, it could take years for the fleet to... Uh, to change over. It's also interesting that uh, people are holding on to their cars longer, which should mean that, you know, it, it should mean that, that demand would be a little, a little bit better because the cars they have are going to be a little, are going to be more inefficient than the cars that they're about to, that they're about to buy. But miles traveled is, is flattening out this year. And again, that may be a, a pump price deal. More than more than anything else, and maybe something with the uh, with the efficiencies. The big the, the big change this week is on distillates. Uh, not a change, but it's it's one of those uh, you know this week and last week was one of those weeks where you just go okay, things are changing here. And Marty, as you know, we've been pretty pretty constructive on uh, diesel on distillates. Uh, for you know the the last since we've been doing these these podcasts and uh, you know what's going on here is refiners are just making too much distillate and we've been building here over the last few weeks um, I think we've built like nine million barrels in total over the last uh, couple of weeks and um, you know last week we were up by uh, or this week we were up by uh, almost two another two million barrels. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, what was looking really interesting and really bullish on distillate is looking less so. I'm not willing to say, oh, distillate is, is bearish, but I think it's moving from the bullish category into the, let, let's take a look at this, because the yields on distillate, refiners have really cranked it up uh, because the margins were so good on distillate, and distillate had been really tight. And the expectation, of course, is that, that you know, last year and into this year, you know, diesel demand has been, you know, the one carrying the load. There's been big growth in global diesel demand. And that, of course, is a function of, of the economy. You know, the global economy is doing pretty good. So, so that's, a, that's a flag waving, Marty. Interesting. But, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that, that's a flag waving. Um, so we'll keep watch. Obviously, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep watching that. Total stocks drew a little bit. We're still sort of, you know, we're okay on, on total U.S. inventories on a day supply basis. We're like two behind the four-year average. Uh, Cushing built, yeah, Cushing, the delivery point for WTI. I think there's going to be another draw coming up next week uh, and maybe the week after that, but that's it. I mean, we're going to stop maybe on the draws. After that, we're going to start building and building pretty good because we're going into turnarounds and, um, you know, Canadian production is, is, is back. They had all these sync problems, but you look at the, 
differentials of Canada to WTI. The heavy stuff is $33 under, uh, and even Syncrude is now $9 under. So um, quite a differential. Isn't oh it? man, you Jeez. know what you know what we're talking about here. If, if WTI is sixty-seven, it means that the heavy crude in Canada is thirty-four, and the light crude, you know, FOB in uh, Edmonton is is you know is is let's see nine less sixty-seven. I think that's fifty-eight. So that's you're starting to explain why some of the refiners are showing record profits in the Gulf Coast as they process some of that Canadian crude. You got that right. Oh yeah, it's not only the, and you know if they can process, you know if they could get a hold of a discounted Permian barrel, yeah, um, the, the profits, you know, the mid-continent profits have been and the Gulf Coast profits have both been, uh, you know, have been nice. You know, have been have been really uh, have been really solid. Um, so, you know, to summarize, I think this report was, was okay. You know, certainly not as bearish as the last two reports. And, um, you know, we're watching distillates. The demand side is showing, total demand is showing some signs of flagging a little, but, you know, not, nothing like demand. You know, we're not seeing demand destruction by, by any means, nor should we, because the you know, the economy still still is, uh, you know, pretty robust. Really interesting. You know, as, as we, uh, I think we're going to talk about crude next, let me give you a couple of uh, insights from Houston, Andy, if it makes sense at this point. Yeah. Our weekly statistic, as we've talked in previous weeks, is the rig count, and it's relatively stable, only up three rigs uh, over the past week, according to Baker Hughes. Over half of them, or half of them or more, continue to be active in Texas. But one thing I spotted when I was looking at the data that I hadn't watched is that the offshore rig market has really stabilized. They talk about utilization rate in the off in the Gulf. This year it's 82%. Last year it was only 61%. So it's starting to say to us that the 60, 70, 80 dollar range is enough to generate some interest back in the uh, in the offshore. The second big item, and we talked about this a little before and you'd already seen it, Texas exported more crude than it imported for the first time in history. Uh, with the very large crude carriers, they're now able to be loaded. And uh, that that's so unusual. I used to teach uh, training courses and I would tell everybody the two gallons out of every three that you put in your car was imported. Now, almost... Uh, every gallon you put in your car could be coming from the U.S. And of course, this has been terrific for uh, Houston and Texas. And I, again, from the Houston Chronicle, Texas and Houston have added jobs at double the rate of the, of the very robust U.S. economy. So uh, again, even at $60, $70, $80, the efficiencies are there and, and folks are uh, drilling and producing a lot of crude oil here in the States. You know, one one thing that I think is going to be really important to watch, and, and the market is going to be as laser focused on it as it always is, is going to be the rate of uh, U.S. production. You know, as you mentioned, Marty, the the rig counts, you know, stabilized and now the Gulf Coast. That's that's an unbelievable stat, actually, on on the Gulf Coast rigs. But one, the other, the alternative to that is costs are going up in the um, costs are going up uh, for labor, sand, 
etc. And we we might not see as big a growth in U.S. production as what uh, the the EIA and some other more optimistic analysts are looking for. Next year, uh, the expectation for the EIA is for a growth of about a million barrels a day. Um, given where these discounts are uh, in, the, in West Texas, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see less than a, than a million barrels a day. Um, you know, and we mentioned that in you know, the podcast last week. We, we really have to come through here on, uh, on production because there's a lot of uncertainty globally on, you know, on, on crude production. Uh, so if we start falling short, you know, that, that's clearly going to be, that's going to be a bullish factor if, if, if uh, we, we fall short. But think about the new world we're in. We're throwing around a million barrel a day potential increase or decrease in the U.S., where years ago, those numbers were not anywhere near on the radar. Oh, no. I mean, it's a miracle. The, 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 there's no doubt that the, um, you know, the U.S. shale production is, is, is a miracle. It's, cha- it's changed the world. You know, they, they call uh, oil, as you know, Marty, you know, the, the great game. And, um, you know, it, it's written about in uh, some, of the, some of the great oil literature, including uh, the prize by uh, Daniel Jurgen, which is probably the best single book ever written about the uh, oil industry. And, you know, we now have a lot more leverage in the great game as a, you know, as a producer and, a, and an exporter than, than we ever had before. And it, it certainly led to some, some changes in, in the way that we approach the global marketplace. There's, there's, you know, there's no doubt about it. And in, clearly in terms of Iran, you know, that, that's, a, you know that, that's a major change for us. So how are things going on the Iran side of the equation, Andy? Iran, this, this is, we've spoken about, the single biggest, um, most important factor in the global supply and demand balance. Uh, we just did a, we, we just did a presentation for some uh, Chinese clients and did a deep dive into, into these uh, supply demand numbers. I went through the list, the Iranian list, over and over again, which I've done all year. And, you know, I, I, I just can't see where it's, where Iran is going to lose any less than a million barrels a day, you know, just looking at, just looking at all the numbers. And, you know, unless there are waivers granted or, or, you know, there's a change, you know, maybe the Chinese will buy more. But, you know, it looks like a million barrels a day. And uh, that's going to start, you know, it's already begun, but it'll, it'll reach its, you know, beginning of the first week of November. That's, you know, that, 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 that's when the sanctions go into effect. So, um, you know, it's not, it, it's certainly going to be, a, it's going to be bullish for the market. Obviously, we'll see how much is already baked into the, into the market. But the other thing to watch, you know, the, the EU is negotiating with Iran on, on trying to salvage the JCPOA, uh, the nuclear deal. Those talks look like they're going to fall apart. The, the companies really? aren't. Yeah, they, they look like they're It'll be, it'll be a, mir- talk about a miracle. It'll be a miracle if that's extended. And we'll see what happens, you know, if they do fall apart and there is no more Iranian, you know, and the deal dies completely. Um, you know, we'll see what the responses of, of Iran 
will be. Today, they threatened the, the U.S. and Israel. Almost certainly, they will start enriching uranium. That, that's, a, that's a certainty. You know, that, that, that will increase. Um, and we'll see what they do, you know, in terms of any actions, you know, against the Israelis, the Saudis, U.S. interests, shipping lanes. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what their response is going to be. Maybe it'll be, you know, maybe there'll be no response, but, uh, you know, somehow I think that the, 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 that's going to take, the, there will be a response by the Iranians and, um, you know, the, that will add to, to uh, the market anxiety, no doubt. And, uh, you know, just looking at the supply and demand uh, for fourth quarter using a very conservative view, I, I see a half million to a million barrels a day draw of global inventories from November, December, January, and into February. And inventories are already, uh, are already pretty, you know, have, have drawn significantly to the point where we're below normal or where we should be on uh, inventories. So, you know, fourth quarter looks bullish. It's not a big surprise. We've talked about that, you know, analysts like myself have talked about it, but we're getting closer to the fourth quarter and all this you know, all these projections are about to become reality. That's terrific. Again, that's terrific for the producers, for sure. And as you say, for the, for the bullish traders. Yeah, yeah, definitely for the bullish traders. But in, in, in summary, because, uh, you know, I still think the market's going to be in this big trading range. Uh, it'll ratchet in this, in this trading range. But my feeling is that when you get these demand sell-offs where everybody's wringing their hands about demand, like we had you know, over the last couple of weeks, um, I think the market's going to hold. Uh, I think those are, the, when you see that and this big speculative liquidation, I, I really don't see this market selling off real, really broadly at all, at all. So driven by fundamentals, not speculation at this point, Andy. Yeah, driven by, driven by fundamentals. Terrific. Um, okay, I think we, I think uh, that's our timing. I think we're we're pretty much under uh, timing budget, Marty. We are uh, that, more or less. This is uh, Andy LeBeau from Commodity Research Group. You can uh, reach me at a LeBeau at commodityresearchgroup.com, and our our website is commodity www.commodityresearchgroup.com. And this is Marty Stetzer in Houston. If you're new to the industry and are joining a company, especially as the kids go back to school, would like to learn about, more about the uh, oil and gas industry, please take a look at our website for Oil 101, our popular series that has been followed by 10,000 folks at www.ektinteractive.com. Andy, thanks so much for letting me be a part of it again this week. Always learn something new from you. Thank you, Marty. 